Good to see you all here today. Y'all can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 13 if you have them with you. If not, uh, it'll be on the screen. And I say thank you again to our guest for being our guest. If you're a returning guest, thank you for coming back. If you're a first-time guest, thank you for uh, joining us. I want to encourage you to go to the Welcome Center. Um, before you leave today, we want to meet you, and we also have a gift to give you if it is your first time, and hopefully answer any questions that you have. Uh, but we're going to just march right along this morning in our study. This, uh, this weekend, we had our uh, P3 leadership conference, and it was just a, a great blessing. It was a great time uh, as our leaders uh, got a, away together and, and talked about um, the theme that the Lord's put on my heart for next year and uh, how we can become better leaders, and, and even and especially in light of what Scripture has called us to, to, to be and to do. And so I appreciate your prayers, those of you who are praying for us, and uh, some of you sent us personal messages saying we're praying for you, and, and we appreciate that and appreciate the prayers. And uh, we're excited, excited to see what God's going to do in and through this church, uh, not just for next year, but for the rest of this year, because I believe there's great things still in store. So uh, hopefully you're a part, hopefully you're engaged, hopefully you're uh, serving and, and a part, because I think God is, is doing some great things and about to do some really great things. So, um, But last week in this study, we saw two more very important points. Hopefully you were here. Hopefully you got those points. If not, again, they are on our, our YouTube channel. You can go back and watch those. Um, you can get the sermon notes from that group that's on Church Center app. Uh, if you have any questions about all that, again, you can see the Welcome Center, and they'll help you with all of that. But we're moving forward to see this, this continued fruitfulness in this first church, and it was through their faithfulness and obedience. And I think that's such an important point as we move forward, as we're, we're going to see what we see this morning, is God was blessing their faithfulness and their obedience. And that is vital. Sometimes we want God to bless our lives. Sometimes we want him uh, to, to make us useful in his kingdom, but we're not as surrendered. We're maybe not as faithful or maybe not as obedient as we should be. And uh, you have to know in, in all of that still, this, this first church and this, the era of this first church they weren't perfect. They weren't sinless people. They didn't do every single thing right. Um, and, and so it's important for us to grab hold, hold of the fact that they were normal people like us who, who missed the mark at times, who uh, messed up, who failed, who, who sinned. And, uh, but they, again, through that, they didn't allow those things to keep them back. And one of the things that we kind of zeroed in and focused in on is the fact that they were together. They didn't allow their differences to divide them. They didn't allow their uh, different thoughts on, on, on life to divide them. Again, they were unified with a common love and a common faith, and that is what guided them. Their, their love for God, their love for one another, their faith, of course, in God is what gave them that, um, and, and, and faith to follow him. And so they were together in this one-mindedness that, that we've seen over and over and over in this, in this first church, this unity of mind, heart, and vision. It, it, it's birthed, and it, we're about to see, it's, it, it's birthed this church planning and missionary movement that is still today, 2,000 years later, both a template and an inspiration for church planning and mission work. And many times when we talk about missionaries, we talk about church planning, uh, there, there are all kinds of groups out there, and some of you may know this, some of you may not, but there are all kinds of organizations, parachurch organizations, there are different ministries that have popped up through especially recent history, uh, all with the effort to try to, to plant churches, and a lot of times their metrics is, is 
how successful the success of a church is based on the numbers of a church and how quick it's growing in a short in a period of time and instead of evaluating the 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 true fruit the spiritual fruit that may come from that that church plant in similar fashion there's a lot of mission organizations a lot of churches that evaluate uh, the quality or the effectiveness of a missionary and his work or her work uh, based off of the same exact metrics. How many people have you won to the Lord and how, and, and how short a time? And while that's, that's huge and that's, um, that's important and that's, you know, something of God, it's so important for us to realize that is the work of God. Uh, we are the vessels. We are the ones who submit ourselves. We are the ones to be faithful and obedient, just like we see here. But God is the one that brings the fruit. God is the one that gives the increase, the Bible says. And so uh, I want to pray this morning again and, and ask the Lord to, to bless uh, the message. And hopefully we'll, we'll take from what God, what God has. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. Thank you for all that you do in our life. Thank you for uh, what we've already experienced, just the opportunity to lift you up in song, uh, to praise you and worship you through just the, the singing uh, of songs that point to you, that glorify you, that thank you. Uh, I pray you'll continue to work in this place as your word is preached. Uh, Lord, we know that the enemy would love nothing more than to uh, distract and to discourage, ultimately to, uh, ultimately to defeat and, and divide us as your people in the mission that you've given to, to us. Lord, and I pray that we would uh, realize that, and even if we have sensed that or uh, have seen that this morning, uh, that we would do all the more to press into you. God, we would give our very best and earnest attention to your word, yielding ourselves to your spirit so that you can instruct us and so we can be uh, fed from you, from your word, and uh, respond in a right way. And Lord, we ask that you would move in a special way like that, but also if there's somebody here that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, Lord. They're not 100% positive heaven's going to be their home when they die and they leave this world. I pray if someone's like that here, that they would they would come down to the altar at the end of the sermon. They would stop by the welcome center. They would, they would stop somebody. They would ask, what do I have to do to go to heaven when I die? Uh, but pr- please, Lord, don't let, them, don't let anybody leave this place unsure of that. And Lord, we'll praise you for what you do. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left off, uh, if you were here, in Acts chapter 12, and the last verse of that says that Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their their mission there. And it says, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. And so they had this relief mission. If you were here, again, you know that they uh, realized there were some needy uh, people in Jerusalem and in the church. And so the church of Antioch had been blessed by the church of Jerusalem spiritually. And so they said, because, and especially because they have been a blessing to us spiritually, we can help in whatever way we can physically, financially, to help those in need in Jerusalem. The need had obviously become great, so much that they had sent requests out, hey, can y'all help us, can you help us? We've got, it's too great of a need, we don't have enough to fill these needs, can you help out? And so this church at Antioch that was thriving, this church at Antioch that was flourishing, this church at Antioch that was such a blessing in so many ways, and we're going to continue to see that, said, you know what, we can help out. We can do what we can do, and that's what Scripture showed us. And so what they did is they took up this, this collection, and then they commissioned Barnabas and Saul to go to Jerusalem to deliver that relief 
and to serve there. And the Bible says that when that ministry was done, when they fulfilled that ministry, they returned back to the church at Antioch. In verse 1, chapter 13, it says, Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, or preachers and teachers. And then it lists who these five men were. Barnabas was the same Barnabas that, that went with Saul to Jerusalem. And Simeon, who was called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene. Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul. So these five men who were preachers and teachers, who were what we would consider and, and were the elders of this church in Antioch, um, were in this church, and they were doing something specific at this time. They, they, had, they had seen God do miraculous things already. They, they had seen this great revival break out in their city, in their church. Uh, they had seen the heart of the people in Antioch move so much to say, we'll go and help that church in Jerusalem. That was such a blessing to us spiritually. All these great things are going on, and there would be a temptation for those church, that church and those leaders to say, man, isn't God good? Let's just kind of sit back and, and see God work. But what we find in these, these five elders was not that at all. We see in these five elders they were doing something very specific and very important for what was about to come. Verse 2 says, while they were ministering to the Lord, look at that next word, and fasting. The Holy Spirit said to those men, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I want you to notice back there in verse 2 the, the first word that it says, it says while they were serving. While they were serving the Lord and fasting together, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit moved. And so, okay, so what's, what's, the, what's the major takeaway? What's the big point here? What is, obviously, they were, they were praying and fasting, serving the Lord. They were doing it together. Those are important points. But I, I want to bring out this, this, this sad um, reality in, in our modern-day Christianity, and it's this, that so often people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ say that the Lord spoke to them or that the Lord opened the door for them. Well, number one, first of all, they aren't faithful to the Lord. They aren't faithfully walking with the Lord. But God, so, God showed me. God spoke to me. God, God opened this door for me. But they're not faithful in walking with the Lord themselves. They aren't faithful in assembling with the believers. Notice again that it said that they were there together and they were serving the Lord. That word, and the reason why we're talking about faithfully is all of these Greek words have that indication. It's something that they were doing and they were constantly doing and they were faithfully doing. They were faithfully together. They were faithfully fasting. They were faithfully serving the Lord. And again, the third thing that, that, that I have listed here is so often people say, well, God spoke to me. God showed me this. God opened this door for me. The Holy Spirit revealed God. I feel like God wants us to do this, but they aren't faithfully serving the Lord. And maybe the preceding necessary element to all of that is, fourth of all, they aren't faithfully praying and fasting in unity with the church leaders. 
It's nowhere in Scripture that we find the Holy Spirit speaking to someone, the Holy Spirit moving in a person's life when there were some foundational elements of faithfulness and fidelity, devotion, and especially unity with the body of Christ. And if you say, well, I, I know God showed me this, not if you're not in unity with the body, he didn't. He did not. There's nowhere in Scripture that it says that. Nowhere in Scripture do we have that example. Well, I know that the Holy Spirit opened this door for me. I've been praying that, that, that I would be able to get a job that gave me more money. Yes, it does take me away from this, and yes, it does take me away from that, and yes, I can't do this for God anymore, but I prayed for that. But if it's nowhere in Scripture that we have that as either a command, a principle, a charge, an example, if there's nowhere in Scripture that we have that, then who is speaking to them? Who is speaking to the person who is not faithful in their relationship with God? Who is, who is speaking to the person who is not faithful to assemble with the saints? Who is speaking to the person who is not faithfully serving the Lord? Who is speaking to the person who is not faithfully praying and fasting in unity with the church leaders? Who is speaking, if it's not the Holy Spirit, because we don't find that in Scripture, who is speaking to them? Is it the spirit of man? Is it the, the flesh? Is it what really they want? Is it just a psychological or emotional desire that ends up meeting a, an experience and then they say, yes, that was God? Or was it the spirit of deception? The enemy of God. The same one in the beginning of, of man's experience in the very first sin who challenged the, the, the people who had never sinned with, with these words. Has God really said that? That, that, was the, that was the spirit of deception. That was, and, and notice again what he challenged Adam and Eve at was the word of God, the truth, the spoken, the charge, the, 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 the spoken truth of God to them. Do not do this. And yet they said, hmm, now did God, yeah, that's a good point, Satan. Did God really say that? Did, or is there another point behind it? No. There are spirits in the world. There are demonic forces in the world. There are the spirits of man. Again, fleshly beings walking around trying to do. There's uh, Brother Jeffrey brought out this weekend something that he had shared with uh, our students in the, in, the, in the youth ministry. And he talked about the different worldviews that are out there. And one of the things that was, was shared was something I believe is one of the greatest worldviews, one of the largest, not greatest like as in best, but one of the largest worldviews that is so prominent and has even infiltrated the church of Jesus Christ. And that's humanism. I think, I believe, I know what God's word says. I know what all I know the Christian. I know that, but I think it's okay. I think man is the end. Man is the the end all. Man is the authority. And I think it's so important for us to remember. And I put this in your notes. Surrender to the Spirit doesn't mean satisfaction of our flesh. Surrender to the Spirit does not mean satisfaction of our flesh. Again, these men were not there 
having a fellowship meal. I mean, may, they may have been, I'm sure they were fellowshipping together and eating, and that's great. And I believe that's one of the great blessings we have as, as believers as well, to be able to sit down and eat together and, and, and enjoy the blessings of God and, and, and each other's company in, 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 um, in, in a spirit of, uh, of fellowship. But they were there together praying, and they were fasting. They were serving God together. This was all about the Lord, and, and they were surrendered to the Spirit, and, and, and we don't see what was produced, something that they wanted in their flesh or something they wanted in the world. We'll see what's produced. But so often we make something that makes us happy, that pleases our flesh, that fits our plan, sound very spiritual and spirit-led. So many times we do that. I think that God is just, I mean, I think God, doesn't God want us happy? Doesn't, I mean, I, mean I, I think that there's nothing wrong if I do this. I, I realize that you're saying that, Pastor. I realize the leaders are, are doing this. I realize this is what has been said. But you know what? This is what I want to do. And I think the Lord wants us to have rest. I think the Lord wants us to have time. I think the Lord wants us to, again, humanism. It's, you can't find it in the Scripture. There's spiritual sayings that have been passed on from generation to generation that have existed inside the church of God that aren't biblical at all. But Christians have adopted them. Even things like this. Well, it's okay if you drink, you just don't get drunk. That's what the Bible says. No, it's not at all. That's not at all what the Bible says. If that's what you believe, you believe uh, a saying, uh, something that has been passed down that is uh, untruth. That's not what the Bible says about drinking. But we grab hold of things like that that please our flesh and say, well, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, we, you know, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that we're, we're supposed to go to, to this or do that and be a part of everything. Where does it say in the Bible that you're not? Well, I've always heard, but, ah, what, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Again, some, so often we make something that makes us happy or pleases our flesh. It's something that we want. It's not necessarily what God wants. We're not in desperate pleading to God like we see in this, 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 these leaders of this first church crying out to God, fasting to God, saying, God, we need to know what you want us to do. God, we are your servants. We are surrendered to you. What do you want from our life? What do you want from this church? What do you, how do you want to use us? We're serving you. We're calling out to you. But we also need to remember that the spirit that opposes God is really, really still alive and active today. Satan is not men like, oh, well, that church is serious. I'm going to back off of them. <laughs> oh, that Christian right there, man, they're, look at them. They're fasting and they're praying and they're, they're serving God. They're faithful in every aspect they can be. I mean, they're not perfect, but man, I'm just going to back off of them. They're like a super giant in the Christian faith. Satan doesn't do that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He's talking to Christians. You used to be dead in your sins. And you used to walk in them, which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. The world has a course. The world has a, has, a, uh, has a plan. The world has a direction. It has a system. And Paul was telling these believers in Ephesus, he says, you used to live according to the course of this world. You lived in your sin for the world. You lived like that. According to the prince of the power of the air. And listen to what he said back then. The spirit... That is now working in the sons of disobedience. He's still working in the sons of disobedience today. The, 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 the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the god of this world, is still very active today trying to deceive, trying to kill, to steal, and destroy. He's trying to do everything he can do 
to counter God's plan, and, and God's plan, as we've seen, is the church of Jesus Christ. So that's where he's going to come. That's where he's going to try to attack. He's going to try, try to attack you individually. He's going to try to attack your family. He's going to try to attack this church family. He's going to try to do everything we can do to get us to go back to live according to the course of this world. To get us to go back and live for our sins and live for ourselves. He does that all the time. He's still very active. He goes on in verse 3. Among them, we too all formerly lived according or in the, the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of our mind, what we want to do, what we thought was good, what we were all about. Well, I think it's okay. I don't think it's wrong with that. We used to live like that. And we were by nature in our flesh and in our sin, children of wrath, even as the rest of them were. But if we have been studying this first church and this first church gives us a pattern, I think we should take careful notice every time that something becomes clear. Now, we've talked about fasting in our group recently, in uh, our Adult Connect group, and uh, Brother Tony brought out the story in Scripture uh, when Christ had to teach his disciples about a, a certain level of faith and devotion, of spiritual desperation. Uh, they came into a circumstance where their faith and their sincerity, their devotion to the work of God wasn't at the level that it was needed to accomplish the spiritual task that was before them. So Jesus had to teach them. Jesus did it, and then he taught them why they couldn't do it. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, when, the cow, the, the, when, came the, to the, I'm sorry, when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, and he fell on his knees before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic, and he's very ill, and he often falls into the fire and often into the, wire, uh, the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation. Well, that's not very merciful and gracious. <laughs> it was their hearts. It, it was, it was, he could see the heart and he still does. He says, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Why would he say something like that? He was teaching them about the, the level of their devotion. He had demonstrated it to them. He had shown them what type of devotion. He had, he had, he had taught them. He had exemplified. Again, we, we talked this weekend about leadership. Once again, leadership is example. Leadership is influence. You, you, you cannot have leadership if you're not living what you're saying. So Jesus is trying to show them that their hearts, their minds, their lives aren't where they need to be based on his example, based on his teaching. And so he says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. And the demon immediately came out of him. And the boy was cured at once. Can you imagine the disciples? <laughs> how did he do that? He'd already, saw, he'd already said, you know, how long do I have to be with this generation? How long will y'all not get it? So they came to him privately and said, why could we not drive it out? We did what you told us to do. I mean, we, 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 we said in Jesus' name. We, we prayed really desperately. We, we, we were together. We agreed. We're two or more gathered. We, we, we did all of that, and we couldn't do it. How'd you do that? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. 
well, wait a second, but we, we, were, we, we were operating in faith. We did. We obeyed. We did what you said we were to do. We did it how we've seen you do it. We, all those things. We said, no, 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 no. It was where your confidence was, and it was how desperate you were in that faith. He says, well, truly, it's true. I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, move here to there. And it would move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But what you're trying to do will not happen unless it's done with prayer and fasting. Why fasting? We prayed. We were together. We we said in Jesus' name, we agreed. You come, to, you come to heal, to deliver from the, the captives from captivity. You, you came to set the captives free. We, we did all these things. You're right. Why? Do, why that? Why is this so important? Why is fasting so important? Well, first of all, we all fast. Unless you don't sleep, you fast. We fast from eating when we're sleeping, and we break that fast when we first eat after that fast. That's why it was called break fast. Oh, wow. But that's not the fasting Jesus is talking about. That's not a spiritual discipline. We lay down at night, all right, Lord, me and you, fasting. See you in eight, you know. Break it down. That's not it. You know, sleep is a physical necessity, but so is eating. And fasting in the sense that Jesus is talking about was when these leaders, being in harmony, being in unity, were praying and fasting and serving the Lord together. It's that type of fasting that the Spirit revealed to them God's will. It's that type of fasting that Jesus was telling his followers, unless you are are this desperate, unless you are this reliant upon me, unless your spiritual desire supersedes every physical desire that you have, every physical need you have, you can't see this type of work in the Spirit happen. Again, it's that same exact thing that the first church practiced that some people still practice today. The practice of abstaining from food and sometimes and many times abstaining even from drink. And so why, what situations do we fast then? Just when we want to see somebody healed or just when we want to see what God has for us next, what do we do? Fasting can be done even as an expression of remorse for wrongdoing. Fasting can be an expression of mourning for a loss. Remember the story of David. When in his sin, a child was conceived and the child fell sick. And while the child was sick, he was fasting. He was mourning over both his sin and the condition of his child. Fasting can be as a spiritual discipline meant to help someone focus on spiritual matters and spiritual desires that supersede physical needs. I have to eat. I have to sleep. Fasting is saying... Instead of eating, which I want and I enjoy and I need, I have a greater spiritual need and a greater spiritual desire. And so 
for this time, I'm going to set that aside to seek God's face. Number one, spiritual sacrifice, sincerity, and service all precede the Spirit's voice. These, these men, these leaders of this church were sacrificing. They were fasting. They were, they were giving up what they could be doing otherwise. They were, they were sincere and they were serving God. They were all in this together. They were doing all these things spiritually and that's when the Spirit said to them, I need you to separate Barnabas and Saul. I've got something for them to do for me. So you can't be living carnally. You can't be living for the world. And at the same time, throwing scraps of your time, your talent, and your treasure, and your service at God. Which, by the way, he blessed us with in the first place. Time, talent, and treasure. We just throw those scraps and tips at God and then expect him to speak and move and act at our whim. God, heal them now, please. God, give us this job. God, help us now. But we're living for us and throwing scraps at God. And that's the kind of faith that the Spirit comes in and says, now I'm going to move on your behalf. It's not what we see in Scripture. God, I need you to fix this mess that we've got ourselves in. Most of, again, what I've made of, of my own flesh. Now, now please, I, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't, I don't like this burden. I don't like this issue. I don't like this situation. Plus, I want to get back to my life living for myself to please my flesh. So God fixed the mess. Again, praying and fasting are disciplines that we exercise that demonstrate a greater spiritual desire than a primary physical need. So do I need to be fasting? That may be something that you need to decide even this morning. Our marriage is in shambles. We've made a mess. Maybe you need to get really desperate with God and say, God, oh, my kids are a mess. Maybe you need to be getting really serious with God and say, I'm going to fail. Oh, my grandkids, oh, this, this, this situation, my job, it looks really, really bleak. Maybe you need to get really serious with God. It's in these disciplines that we align with the will and the word of God and not vice versa. When we are so spiritually desperate and so desiring to be in God's will and to see God move and have his way in our life, whatever that looks like, whether we consider it good or bad, when we say, God, I have to have you move, I'm so desperate for you to move, it's in these disciplines that we, we are, are aligning ourselves with the will and the word of God. It's not, oh, okay, so I'll fast so that God gives me this new promotion i'll fast so that i can get that new thing oh i really need that i believe that's god's will for my life i'm going to pray and fast so that i see this happen in my life no 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 when we exercise these spiritual disciplines like fasting it's us saying you know what i surrender all god i'm here before you i'm 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 so desperate to be in your will and to hear your voice and to be walking in, in, in obedience according to your word i'm so desperate spiritually to walk in right fellowship with you that i'm willing to lay it down lay down these these things the, the, this, these necessities even in life so that i hear clearly from you and i walk perfectly in your will I think I put this in your notes. It's another way you can put it is we don't practice praying and fasting to get what we want. We pray and fast to align more sincerely with what God wants. That's even what prayer is. Prayer is not like 
the, uh, what do they call it, the slot machine. Well, I put a prayer in. Come on, God. Come through for me, you know. That's not, that's not what prayer is. Prayer, God's will is already there. His word is eternal. It's already established. He, he has it. It's very clear out there. P- prayer is us seeking God's face. Prayer is with the Spirit's leading in our life, saying, God, I, 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 I see these things. I'm experiencing these things. And, and based on your word, I want your will to be done. Here's my desire. Here's my request. For example, somebody's sick, a loved one's sick. They're in the hospital. It may not go good. It may go bad. And we know that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that it's appointed unto man once to die. So we go to God and we say, God, my desire, my request is that you would heal this loved one. I know you have all power. I have no doubt in my mind. And maybe we go as far as to say, Lord, I really believe it's your will. I really believe you're not done with this person. I'm I'm not eating. I'm I'm fasting. I'm calling out to you. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for you to do this thing. I need you to move, God. But just as our Lord did in his most desperate hour in the garden, what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so we pray, God, I know you can do this. I believe you can do this. You could, you could speak the word and, and they could pull the, 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 the IVs out, take whatever off, machines off. They, they could walk out of the hospital completely healed. I believe you 100% could do that. And I desire you to do that. God, it's my desperate plea that you do that. But if you choose not to, and you've got a plan that this is their time to take them home, then I trust you just the same. Because I know you're God, and nothing gets by you. Nothing surprises you, and and, and nothing, especially when someone's life is on the line, is out of your control. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you prayed and fasted because of sin or disobedience? And, and, And I'm not talking about for asceticism. Oh, I messed up, I sinned, I can't stop sinning this same sin. I'm going to just punish myself by fasting. No, 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 no. Not for penance. Okay, so I, I sinned, and, and, and so I'm just going to fast every, every day that I sin the same sin. No, 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 not penance. When's the last time that out of spiritual mourning to align with the Lord, to restore that fellowship, and you realize that the pain that your Savior went through to suffer on your behalf for those sins. And when you committed the sin, it so broke your heart. You say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm so broken, I, I'm willing to lay this aside because I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate to, rest, to, to have my fellowship restored. When's the last time you prayed and fasted because of national sin and disobedience? We've done that as a church before. I've asked you to pray and fast on a certain day in light of upcoming elections, in light of upcoming things before the Supreme Court. That's, that's biblical things as well. When's the last time that you prayed and fasted because of a spiritual desire to more closely align and hear from the Lord? I, I've, I've talked to people before. They say, you know, I, man, I, I read my Bible. I just, I mean, I, I remember a time when it used to be really fresh and it really used to be vibrant. I'd read the scripture and it just pop off the page and, and I loved it. But man, I just, I'm having a hard time reading my Bible anymore. I'm having a hard time praying and feel like my prayers are going anywhere. Maybe it's time to get more serious with the Lord. Maybe it's time to, to say, God, I, I'm desperate for you. <laughs> my flesh is weak. My flesh is wearying. 
It's hard to, to do these spiritual disciplines. And so, God, I, I, I want to show you. I need your help. I'm desperate for you. I, I wanna, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, to, to show you my greater spiritual need during this time. So I, I urge and encourage you, if you're a Christian, to consider fasting. And not just consider it, but to practice it as a spiritual discipline that's coupled with prayer so that you'll align with the will of God. I'm not going to get second point this morning, but I, I, I believe that's what the Lord wanted us to hear this morning. Because I, I think there's some people that don't know about fasting. There's some people that have a misunderstanding about fasting. And I think it's so important that we see in Scripture these examples. It's when these, these, these leaders were together and, and they were, it says that they were serving the Lord and fasting. That's when the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And if you're in need of, of the Spirit to, to lead you, to reveal to you, to guide you, to help you, if you're struggling, again, your marriage, your family, your job, you're confused, you're stressed out, you're, you're anxious, all these things are going on, then, then, then you can't keep doing the same old, same old if, if nothing is changing. And we take these biblical precedents, and we, these biblical examples, and say, you know what? I've never fasted for a greater spiritual desire. Or maybe it's been X amount of years since I've fasted. I fasted back when I was... And again, I want to remind you, it's not a magic pill. It's about a spiritual desperation. It's about I am desperate for the Lord. And even if he doesn't, I'm still going to desperately pursue him. So maybe this morning you, you're in need of, of, of that type of spiritual intervention or spiritual voice from, from God. You need, you need something from the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you, maybe you come start by, in this invitation and come down to this altar and say, God, show me when and how I'm supposed to fast. God, show me you know, what, what I need to be doing. Say, well, my, my husband's too far gone, my my wife is too far gone. My, my kids are too far out in the world. My, my grandkids don't want to have anything to do with, with me. My grandkids don't want to have anything to do with God. How desperate have you got with the Lord? These men were desperate to see what's the next step. We went and helped out Jerusalem. We've got this mission that's been delivered to us. What next? They don't want to make a wrong move. So as they faithfully served the Lord, they called out to God and they showed this desperation through fasting. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whatever the Lord may be revealing or putting on your heart, to say, how do I do that? I can't tell you exactly what to do because I think there are different things. Uh, there's not any necessary, there are certain, you know, time frames that people put on it, you know, a 40-day fast, a 30-day fast a three-day fast, a one-day fast. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Start by calling out to God. And let His Spirit lead you in that spiritual desperation. And sometimes what you intend to be a one-day fast ends up being a three-day fast. Or maybe, it, maybe it's, you know what, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna fast these meals for this, these many days. I normally eat breakfast. I normally eat lunch. I'm going to fast those. 
and I'm going to pray during that time. I'm going to read God's word during that time. I'm going to call out desperately for God during that time. And so I don't know that I could do that. Well, pray the Lord for strength. And, and again, there are some, you know, don't just go out there and go irresponsibly because there, sometimes there's health issues that people have that you can't do that without endangering your, your, yourself. Uh, so if you, you need to have more information, then I'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. But um, let's pray this morning. And I want to encourage you, let's get, let's get desperate for the Lord. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do in our lives, Lord. We do thank you for the, the scriptures that you have preserved for us, the examples in them that we can still learn from today, and, and such, a, such a powerful just verse, just right at the very beginning, just two verses, the example that's set for us. These, these men who were unified, who were faithful in service, faithful in prayer and in fasting, and that's when you spoke. And I pray that we would understand that uh, it, it is about us aligning with you. It's, it's us aligning with your word, us aligning with your will. And uh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't let this opportunity pass us by. We'd see this example and, and act on it, Lord. I ask you to move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for that too, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.